You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. Get your Bibles out and open them to John chapter 21. Welcome online. Welcome in the German hall. Welcome on in the cars, wherever you are, as we gather together today and rally ourselves around the Word of God, the unchanging Word of God. And so we, we trust, we pray that in John 21, God would take today and he would inform us by his spirit and we would be fashioned and transformed by his mighty word. And so hope you have Bibles, pens in place. If, if you need a pen, the ushers, just, just go to the back and get one or raise your hand. The ushers will get you one. If you need a Bible and don't have a Bible of your own, there are Bibles on the back table. Grab one of those. That's our gift to you. Take it home. Use it. Read it. Allow God to change and to transform your life through his word. I've been thankful for some time off in the last few weeks, um, and, and I'm back for a number of weeks, and then off for a, a little bit again as uh, the day gets closer to our daughter's wedding on August 20th, and we're getting pretty excited, pretty nervous about that. Um, I'm just wondering, oh, if I'm going to hold up for that. Um, the concern about the latest restrictions and just what that that entails and, and, and just the confusion and, and, and conversations around all of that. And, and I'm sure all of you were all being affected in that way. And I'm so thankful for the elders and the staff and for the leaders and the volunteers who serve you so faithfully, who serve us week after week and through the week with all of the behind the scene things. And then those who come early and, and get this set up. Today it was at 6.30. We're like, do we go ahead? And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm looking at radar. And, and, and then Brett says, let's go. And I'm like, I'm behind you. Let's get at it. And aren't you glad that we showed up today? I'm glad you showed up today. Full house. Well, there's still room for more parking, you know, and more and more and more. But we're and we'll figure out what's going to happen in the days and weeks ahead. And so, so thankful. Thankful for those who stepped in to preach. And throughout this summer, there's been this overriding thought, this overriding prayer. God, what are you doing? God, what are you doing in us, in, in our church? What are, you, what are your plans for us individually and for us at Hope Bible Church? And God, God, we need a location for the fall. We need to get indoors. Like today would, be, would have been kind of nice to be outdoors, but it's not bad out here, is it? It's not too bad. We'll take it. You know, and, um, and, 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 so, and, and we trust that by next week we'll have an update for you in regards to the fall and location and that kind of thing. Be praying about that. Be praying, though, with one eye open, keeping your eyes open and, and for possible ideas and that. We have some, some ideas cooking in that area, but, but uh, always open for something else to, to happen as well in that regard. Uh, and, and then uh, just even stay tuned for uh, as the new mandates came down and that kick in tomorrow and uh, for specifically for this region, we want to navigate and find a way to be faithful. Find a way to be faithful first and foremost to God and, and to carry on though the work, however that looks, whatever that, that form and shape takes, we want to carry on the work of God ultimately. And here at Hope, we just want you to know, we just don't want to be some trendy, styly kind of church. And you're saying, well, that's not going to happen as long as, as you're the pastor. And I'm like, I know that. That's for sure. But we also, one thing we don't want to be, we don't want to be some cruise ship style of church where, you know, we have all the amenities to make one's experience more comfortable and pleasing. Just so that you just keep on coming back. I'm not into that. And I don't think our leaders, and I don't think you're into that either. 
We want to be a life-saving rescue boat. A Christ-exalting, worshiping, sacrificing, loving church. Going the extra mile. Doing whatever it takes. We desire to be a faith-filled people. Followers of Jesus Christ. Growing in his word. Not just in knowledge, but growing in the obedience to his word. We have a desire to be a great commission church. Fulfilling the great commission that Jesus left for us as his followers. We want to be on his agenda, not ours. Preparing men and women, adults and teenagers, children, boys and girls to be God-honoring, growing in their word, firm in the faith, each one of us. Because we don't know what's coming. We don't know what's coming down the road, politically, economically, socially, culturally, covidly, if that's such a word. Things are constantly changing, and the pressure is mounting. And you see, biblical Christianity, the true followers, true followers of Jesus Christ, it's not about having our dreams and our desires baptized and blessed by Jesus. It's getting on his agenda, not getting, trying to get Jesus to get on our agenda. It's Jesus becoming our one and only consuming desire. His will, his way, his word above all things. And yet so many things are screaming for our attention, aren't they? So many things screaming for it. But look at this, and it'd be on the screen if you're watching online or it's in your notes there. The success of our lives depends on one thing. The success of your life, the success of your family, the success of your business, of anything. The success of our lives depends on one thing, and that is to be with Jesus, and we can't miss it. We can't miss that. And if we miss it, I mean, we miss it all, ultimately. We miss in having God's peace and power and protection and his presence in our lives. It will result in a joyless, spiritually fruitless lives. Oh, you may enjoy and have all the look of earthly success in your vehicles, in your house, in your retirement funds or whatever it is. You may have all the right look, but it will result in a joyless, spiritually fruitless lives, even with earthly success and full nets. And that full nets reference we'll see in a few moments. Unless Jesus Christ is at the center. And it doesn't matter if you're a teenager, if you're a child, if you are a young adult, man or woman, whether you are a senior citizen, wherever you're at, there's no such thing as retirement. There's no such thing as just kind of just hunkering down it's about having Jesus Christ at the center of our lives, the center of our pursuits, because nothing else will satisfy. Everything else will result in joyless, going through the motions, drifting, and possibly even prove a counterfeit Christianity in your life. And so this brings us to our summer series that we've been on, Life in the Sun, based on 1 John 5, 12, where it says, whoever has the Son has life. That's S-O-N. We've adopted the, the mindset and the, the, the idea here in the Okanagan, whoever has the S-U-N has life. That's why people move here. That's why people want to live here, because of the sun. And we kind of thought that this was a great theme, kind of, you know, kind of fitting since our church services ever since Easter have been outside. And it's literally been life under the S-U-N, hasn't it? I mean, it's been pretty crazy what we've experienced. The tabernacle, the setup team, they show up here early on Sunday mornings. And there's been times where the temperature in the early spring was just a little bit above freezing. 
and then then the you know and then we had some really nice Sundays and and then the heat dome moved in with temperatures moving up to the mid 40s that we've experienced and then the smoke replaced the sun and uh, and and then today cloudy kind of rainy uh, right now it's actually you know what I I was apologizing to people a little bit before that we turned the air conditioner on too much last night it's a little chilly in here but I think it's just about right don't you think. I think you guys are heating up those tents a little bit, and, and it's, it's wonderful. Um, and, and so we've had that, but I saw this meme this past week, and I thought it was sadly kind of fitting, and it's this, I've smoked three packs of Canadian wildfires today. <laughs> and, and isn't that so true? I mean, you're outside, and you're just inhaling it. And oh, how we need to be praying for those fighting the fires and those whose lives and homes and livelihood are being affected. And with all that's going on, wildfires, the COVID confusion, division, the concerning state of our culture, of of our own personal battles and struggles, it all means that so oftentimes, and I don't know if you're like this, but I'm getting there, and I'm there, I'm weary, I'm worn, even after having a vacation and having a break from you people. I'm weary, I'm worn, and it just, you know, it just keeps coming. And that's why we have God's word, because this is where we find our true hope and our hope. This is where our foundation is. And in John chapter 21, we have Jesus offering this word. And what a word it is to the weary and to the worn. And so if you are here today and you feel weary and worn, and if you don't feel weary and worn and you're just walking on, well, not sunshine today, but most days you are and it's life is really good, Great, but park this sermon because you're going to need it. You're going to need it. You're going to have to circle back to it. And so let's read God's word. Follow along, please, with me in John chapter 21. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, which is another name for the Sea of Galilee. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Even to this day, in the Sea of Galilee, I understand they go out fishing because, at night because that is the time that you catch the fish there. And so here they are at night catching, trying to catch some fish, but they get nothing. Verse 4, just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered, no. And he said to them, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because the quantity of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. By the way, the disciple that, Peter, that, that Jesus loved, that's John, the author of this, and just still getting that little dig there. Yeah, Jesus loves me more than you. Um, at least that's, that's the way I read this. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer ga- garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out, uh, got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of fish. Uh, 153 of them. 
And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Three observations from this passage. You can write them down if you're at home. We're going to touch each one uh, just, just one by one. But here they are, are up front. You'll see it on your sermon outline there on your bulletin if you're in, here with us in person. Just like the disciples, we all get weary and worn. Just like the disciples, we get weary and worn. Number two, we're going to be tempted to settle. We're going to be tempted to settle when we get weary and worn. And three, we all need to get to Jesus. Now, the disciples, they had quite the run. They had a three and a half year run of following Jesus. They sacrificed so much. They left everything to follow Jesus. And as a result, they experienced hardship, but incredible blessing. They they, they experienced demonic attacks and also the supernatural uh, deliverance from Uh, the forces of evil. They witnessed miracles. They were a part of miracles. And they were being used of God in some pretty incredible, miraculous, supernatural ways. But here we find them in John 21. They're weary, they're worn, they're confused. They feared for their own personal safety even. And they started to think, as they were no doubt thinking, if it happened to Jesus, it could happen to us. Look at the way they went after Jesus and were his followers. Are we going to be next that they're going to crucify? Not sure if there's a resurrection in our future. You know, and so all of this going through their head. And even though no doubt they were rejoicing in the resurrection, things were now kind of different between them and Jesus. They weren't as close. The future seemed unclear. Their hopes and dreams and plans had been crushed. Absolutely crushed. They, they saw a bright future in following Jesus. It's going to be awesome. Public opinion was with them and they were jostling for a position in, in, the, in, in Jesus' special little cabinet. Now there was this distance between them and Jesus. They had never felt this distance before. From the moment he called them, there was this closeness. And, 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 and there was this distance physically. They, they, before this, for three and a half years, they were with him 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Relationally, things seemed kind of off between them and Jesus. Jesus appeared to, to, to them twice before this. This is the third time, but there's this distance. What's going on? Where do I stand with Jesus? The night that Jesus was crucified, after all, that was a terrible night for the followers, wasn't it? They all fled in fear. Peter denied Christ that night. Judas took his life. And so now they don't know where they stood with Jesus. Had Jesus given up on them? Would he kind of chastise them at some point? You know, you know kids, sometimes when you know that you're acting up, or, or, or all of us, we can probably recall some time in our life when we severely disobeyed or did something wrong, and we knew we were going to get in trouble, and we were hoping and praying our parents would forget about the punishment that we knew was coming our way, and we just would hope for some extra grace and mercy. Have you ever been there? <laughs> I think so. I, I could recall a number of times where it was like, oh, I could be in big trouble. And uh, well, here they're wondering, is Jesus just going to give us a good tongue lashing sometime? You know, and chastise us? Lay on a good old-fashioned guilt trip? Oh, yeah, where were you guys that night? You guys all ran and fled. And no doubt they're wondering, question, what's our future? What does the future hold for us? 
But something glorious and unexpected happened that night, that morning. Something beautiful, something restorative took place that would change the whole trajectory of their lives. And because of that conversation, what took place there on that beach there that day, you and I are here today. The church of Jesus Christ prevails because of what took place. And this leads us to this first reality, our first observation today. We all get weary and worn. Life has a way of wearing us down. I think the last time I didn't feel tired, I was 15 years old. You know, and it just seems like, I mean, I mean, life in general, people, work, family, the chores around the house, the pressures we face, the pursuits that we have, all that is going on in the world, even our work for God, our service for God, these all have a way of wearing us down, making us weak and worn and tired. And let's face it, I think we're all tired. Even before COVID, we were all tired. I mean, even the last 17 months has just made it kind of crazy, but there's this tiredness and weariness this past week. I was on a call with other Canadian pastors from the Great Commission Collective, the network, the family of churches we're a part of. And just even, it was a Zoom call, and, and, and maybe it would have been better if we all would have just like turned off our cameras because, I mean, guys are just looking bagged, and they're tired. And, and most of them are just getting back from some holidays, just as, as, as I was. And, and, and just the struggles and the battles of navigating, desiring to keep our churches focused on Jesus and keep them united about the mission and not all the other junk going on all around us. Even after a great night's sleep, even after a vacation, you can feel tired. But we have to understand that so much of our tiredness isn't necessarily because we're not getting enough sleep. The reason oftentimes it can be and the reason we're not getting enough sleep is because of the relational tiredness and the emotional tiredness and the spiritual battles and struggles, the weariness of sin that it produces in our lives. David wrote in Psalm 32, and listen up, listen up, this is so interesting and, and it's so true. He wrote that when there was a distance between him and God, it was like his body was groaning and he was wasting away. And, and so our physical, even the spiritual affects the physical and it wears down our bodies. And at times we have to look and say, hey, is my, am I living in areas of sin and disobedience and, and not being renewed and being refreshed by Jesus? And so there was this distance. And, and, and at times when there's distance between us and God, it means that we then run in our own power, our own strength. And here's what can happen if we're not careful. A distance starts to develop between me and Jesus, between you and Jesus as a follower of his. It can happen so slowly at times, or, uh, we, just a bit of a slow fade. Maybe it's through areas of temptation or area of personal failure, just like the disciples here. There's this distance between them and Jesus, and there can be this distance between us and Jesus. Maybe it's the distraction and busyness of life. Even, even with good things, there's so many good things, but they're not God things necessarily, but they are, are God-created things that God has done and has given to us, but, but these things can tire us out, even like friends and family and career, personal pursuits. These things tired us out. Our kids' sports, our kids' busy agendas, and we get pulled away from Jesus, and we get pulled away from him spending time with him and we justify it in so many ways that just in reality just don't really hold any anything to it or distance between us and jesus 
results from the trials that we face in life. The discouragements, the, the untimely death, the sickness, the illness, the getting fired from a job, the different things that take place. And instead of running to Jesus, we start drifting. We run away from him. And over the years, from the church I grew up in as a kid, and it was a great church, and then the four churches that I've been, been, been privileged to be able to minister to and at over the years. I've witnessed many people, including here at Hope Church, I've witnessed many people who have had their come to Jesus moment. And it's been awesome. I've seen many people commit their lives to Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of their sins and the salvation of their souls and then declaring their commitment to Christ in the waters of baptism. Salvation and baptism, those go hand in hand. That's the first step of obedience that we take as followers of Christ. And and seen people just get lit up for Jesus. I've witnessed many others who have become people who are all in who are all in disciples. They've been saved, they've been baptized already, but now it just God is rearranging their lives and, and their priorities, reorienting their lives and careers and priorities and set ablaze for God. God first. Reading, growing, sharing in God's word, being used by God in some incredible ways, only to see in all of these cases, in every church I've been a part of, and even in my own life. You see, whether it's months or years, maybe it's even decades, but over the long haul, there's a series of events or hurts and challenges and weariness and bitterness sets in. A distance happens between that person or between me and God. And we're not as close. And there's this drifting. And like the weary and worn disciples out on the boat that day, where are they doing? what are they doing? They're going back to their old ways. They're in the boat. They're settling for a self-directed life. They're going back to what was comfortable. And this leads us to our second observation. We will be tempted to settle. We all get weary and worn, and we're going to be tempted to settle. And look at what it says in verse 3. Peter says, I'm going fishing. And Bible scholars, in the reading I was doing this past week, they see Peter, in making this declaration, he was basically saying, I'm going back to my old ways. I'm done. I'm going back fishing. At least I know how to do one thing that I maybe won't screw up with. That, I, that I'll be able to kind of just go and I can live this life. I can catch fish. I can sell them at the market or the, the market manager will come and buy the fish and I'll go home. I'll provide for my family and I'm just going to you know, just, just live a more simple life. And so people and the scholars see that this is Peter saying, I'm just, I'm just going back to my old ways, my old thinking, my old associations. No more danger, no more hardship, no more putting it on the line. I'm going to go back to when life was simple. But notice he doesn't go alone. Six followed him. And we have to realize that, that when we are tempted to settle spiritually, it's going to have a profound effect on others around us. Whether that be our family, whether that be in work, uh, our friends, whoever it might be. When we determine that we're going to settle and we're just going to kind of drift spiritually, we'll have a profound effect on others. And let's face it, the temptation to abandon God's call in our life can look very appealing at times. Rather than facing opposition and, and, and battles and hardships, much easier than at times following and being faithful to the Lord and to his service. You have no idea how many Mondays I wake up. Well, actually Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturdays. That I wake up and I, I just dream of doing something different. You, you know what my dream job would be? 
scoop an ice cream for people. Because generally, I mean, I'm just watching people just, they're happy because they're going to be eating ice cream soon. You know, and, and it's like, well, what flavor would you like? And, and they're asking me for my personal recommendation, what would, which would have probably something to do with chocolate and peanut butter. You know, and, and so it's just like, and, and, and then I would just have fun mocking people who choose vanilla. You know, it's just like, you are so boring. Like, look at the flavors. Like, what a job that would be. That would be so awesome. The other dream job that I have on... Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. Sundays I want to be a pastor, like when I get to this point, but anyways, uh, is cutting grass on a golf course. Just making straight lines. And yes, knowing that there's going to be some people like Meldon out there that will see me as a human target with, when, when they go to do it. I mean, I mean, what else are they out there for than to see how good you really are, right? And so I'll take on that challenge, you know, and, and get bruised and beaten up if you maybe wear a helmet, whatever it is. I mean, at times we just dream about what, what might seem simple and easy and maybe even in, in some degrees mundane. And if you're, if you're an ice cream scooper, that's a high calling or a grass cutter. To, you know, I'm not, I'm not making fun of you in that way. But it's just at times we just dream. We probably all have certain daydreams, don't we? Where life would just be so much easier. Just as Peter and the disciples kind of just went back to what was normal, what was easy. But we see Peter and the disciples as they go out, they had a fruitless night. A fruitless night of fishing. They caught nothing. And understand this, living your own self-directed life, not, uh, not living under the control of the Holy Spirit, and, and living with a distance between you and Jesus, between me and Jesus, results in a fruitless and frustrating life and empty nets. And oh, you may fill the net up. You may look super successful in the eyes of the world. But if it's not with Jesus... There's an emptiness and, and there's a part where it's just like, it's just not, it's just not doing what I thought. When I, once I get the card, the career, when I get the family, when I get the relationships, when I get all of these things and there still is emptiness. It's because you're not with Jesus in the way that he so desires. You're living a self-directed, a me-focused life rather than Jesus, I'm yours. A surrendered life to him. And that pull can happen so quickly. Five minutes ago, I, I mean, five minutes from now, you can say, I'm going to live for Jesus no matter what. Ten minutes from now, it's like, I'm going to pursue my own wants and dreams. I mean, we're so fickle and we can bounce around like that. Loved ones today, if you are in Christ, you have to understand you have a calling upon your life and it's more than making a money, a name for yourself, a career, and being some sort of an influencer for your work or whatever it might be. Your calling, my calling, is to be an influencer for Jesus Christ, first and foremost. High and holy and amazing calling. That is our top priority. And everything else, second, third, fourth, fifth. To be with Jesus and to live out in, 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 in seeing Jesus in our homes, in our marriages, in our families. And seeing Jesus lifted high in our homes, in our workplaces, wherever we go. Your life, my, my life is more than the physical eating, the working, the sleeping, the career, the reputation, the, the, the building of, uh, of, of our lives and our hopes and our dreams and our retirement plans. And all the while just jamming in some good friendships and some good laughs and spills and thrills because, you know, we just want to kind of live, live, live in the moment and, and, and get as, squeeze as much out of life as we can. You and I, if you are in Christ, if you're his follower... You folks listening, paying attention. We are to be about the expansion and the advancement of God's kingdom. 
Our priority in life is to be a part of people hearing the gospel, committing their lives, surrendering their lives to Jesus Christ, and then being discipled into spiritual maturity. We have this calling. And so much of this happens in a large degree through the local church. And there's so many opportunities to serve in the local church. But you know what's one thing I don't get? Is that still within the local church that I remember years ago hearing it was 80-20 and then more recently a 90-10 and I'm like yeah it's probably true that 90% or 80% whatever percentage you want to take of the work of the local church gets done by 10 or 20% of the people I am so done in my mind with consumer church where it's just come and consume just come and and and, and just feed me and take care of me and like that cruise ship mentality like that's not what it's called to be and in North America we settled for this And I, in my heart of hearts, I want it easy. I want people to serve me. I want people to take care of me. That's not, we're going to see somebody has served us. Someone is serving us and someone is taking care of us. And it's far better than anyone here on this earth. See that in a moment. There's there's other opportunities that we have to, to, to make much of Jesus and be about his kingdom work, being part of parachurch ministries and organizations in the sending and the supporting of missionaries as Vance and Wendy get ready to go out. We pray for them. We support them. We help them. We come alongside as they, they, they head down to suffer in the Caribbean. No, yeah. We don't have it bad here in Saskatchewan. They should be really jealous of people who are missionaries in the Caribbean. We, we have it pretty good here in the winter. But we're a part of, 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 of seeing the gospel go forth in, in, in the lives of, of people around this world. But sadly, for the last few decades of the North American church, we've adopted that consumer, that spectator sport mentality. And pursuing our own life and endeavors and goals and dreams. How important it is that we look at our lives once again. We all should be able to look at our lives even today and say, what am I doing? What are you doing to advance the kingdom of God currently in your life? Whether that's, are you taking that time to make bridges to the coworkers and to the neighbors that God has placed in your life? Are you taking advantage, or are you just so busy and so consumed about your family and about your wants and your so desires? And yes, family's important, but we've made family oftentimes an idol more so than, than, than the calling of God that he has for us. And we have to be so mindful of that. And at the church, our work in our neighborhoods and the family, we are to be about the advancement of God's kingdom first and foremost. And so today, perhaps you are like the disciples in the boat. You've served God, you've lived for him, you, you've desired to follow him, but somewhere in your past... Something in whether that would be days, weeks, months ago, maybe decades ago. The temptation and the lure just to, just to kind of just go and do your own, just to kind of drift and kind of do whatever you want to live the self-directed life has consumed you rather than the God-spirit-directed life. And the result of all of this will mean fruitless. A fruitless and an empty life. We prioritize all kinds of other things and then if we have time left over, we have time for the Lord and spending our, in our God time daily or whether it's in our coming out to church or gathering with others and, and serving and blessing others. We're so focused. And, and, and again, I'm speaking myself in this because my, my heart wants to pull towards comfort. Our priority in life is to be a part of people hearing the gospel, committing and surrendering their lives to Jesus Christ and growing 
immaturity. And so here, we don't want to end up like the disciples. They're out fishing in a fruitless, empty life. And here's the last observation that we see here today. We all need to get to Jesus. What we need the most, just like the disciples, was to get to Jesus. But they're out fishing. More than a vacation, more than a break, more than COVID to be over, more than rest, more than a good night's sleep. We all need to get to Jesus. And here are the disciples, they're out fishing all night, they catch nothing, they're skunked. And then some guy on the shore, some yahoo, after you've been skunked after a night of fishing, do you have any fish? And I mean, that is the worst question you can ask a serious fisherman, right? It just is. I mean, they don't know who the guy is. Maybe he's the fish broker. I mean, they're new at it. They had been fishing for three and a half years. Maybe he's coming to buy, buy their, their catch of fish and sell it at the market so they can just clean their nets and go home. But then he tells them as they're coming home or coming back to the shore in defeat, he says, throw your net on the right side. Throw your net on the other side. How absolutely insane and preposterous that is. Why would we do that? We've been fishing all night. And now he just says, if we change our position... And yet, as crazy as it sounded, they did it. And what happened? Their nets were full. And then it was John who recognized it's Jesus. Encourage you to write this down and and to underline this if if you have your sermon notes. Good things happen when Jesus shows up. Amen? Good things happen in your life when Jesus shows up. Good things happen in a family, in a church, in a business when Jesus shows up. And here Jesus showed up in an incredible way. In a miraculous way. And I just love Peter. He's just like, I'm out of here. And, and he jumps out of the boat. He just can't wait to get with Jesus. And as Peter gets to the shore, the other disciples, they come along behind. And now notice this. Never seen this, never heard this before. Until I was studying this passage this week. We find that Jesus has, in your Bibles, have your Bibles, underline that word charcoal fire. That word, a charcoal fire, he has for them. That's significant. He has some fish already on. I don't know. How, how did he get fish? We don't know. But he had some fish already going on the fire. He had some bread for them. Now, the only other time in the New Testament, anytime we see in the Greek that we have charcoal fire mentioned in the word of God is in John 18. The night that Peter stood around a charcoal fire in the court of the high priest in the place that he denied ever knowing Jesus. There around that charcoal fire, he messed up. And he messed up royally. Listen, church, this is so amazing. Jesus is mightier to save. He is mightier to save and to forgive than you are, than we are to sin. He is so much greater. And Jesus is able to restore and strengthen us in the very place and circle back to the very place where we have been defeated, where we have started that drift, where, where the denial or whatever it is that took place, Jesus takes us back to that place and he serves us in that very place, serves us with his forgiveness, serves us with his love, serves us with his grace and his mercy. Jesus can take the greatest failure. And for Peter, this was epic. 
This was huge. And he can take our greatest failure and turn it into a landmark of God's grace. What is that great failure? Every one of us, more than likely, if we were to circle back in our life history, or maybe even to more just events this past week, there are huge regrets. And there's things that have happened, in a sense, around your charcoal fire that just set you off and, and has just set you in a drifting and a distance between you and God. You need to know the charcoal fire is going today. And Jesus welcomes you back to a place of rest, to a place of life, to a place of restoration and healing and forgiveness. He is the God of second and third. and He, he, he will light as many fires as it takes. He loves you so much. He is just as able to restore and strengthen us in the very place we are most ashamed. He'll take our greatest failures and turn it into this landmark of God's grace. When Jesus said in verse 12, underline these words, he says, come and have breakfast. This was an invitation. This was an invitation to his disciples. Here we have the resurrected Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, King of kings and Lord of lords, saying, come to me. Let me serve you. Come and be with me. And that invitation continues to this day. Let me serve you, you weak, discouraged, drifting, feeling like a big, fat, failure disciple. Come back to me. Come and be with me. Let's eat. Let me serve you. And he took bread and he gave it to them. And then he also served them with the fish. And what we see in this passage is so important. In order for us to participate with Jesus, in order for us to have a fruit-filled, God-honoring, satisfying life, we must first be served by Jesus. And I wonder today, disciple, follower of Christ, maybe, maybe you've never been served yet by Jesus. There's nothing you have to do to get to Jesus. He has come to you. He has it already. We just have to receive from him. And whether that's salvation, his forgiveness, his mercy for the first time, or maybe it's for the 197,000th time, get to Jesus. Let him serve you today. Is there a distance between you and him? Do you feel like a discouraged, weary, hurt-filled, guilt-ridden disciple? That emptiness in your life. Oh, you have that plastic and shiny look. You sing, you bring your Bible, you serve and that, but inside it's just this longing for more. You know what that longing is for? To get to Jesus, to get to him. And he says, come, let me serve you today. So ask yourself this question today, is there a distance between me and Jesus? Jump out of the boat. Be like Peter and get to Jesus. Second question we need to ask ourselves, am I living a self or Christ-directed life? Who has the control of your life? Where have you kind of locked in and said, I'll go this far but no further? That's where you have then chosen a self-directed life. This is a life surrendered to Jesus. Say, Jesus, whatever it is that you want. Jesus, whatever you call, whatever you desire of me, I desire to follow. I'm all in. But as soon as we say no, the drift begins. But there's a charcoal fire waiting. Waiting for you, waiting for me. Is it 
bitterness or unforgiveness towards a family member, a brother and sister in Christ, a church, that you need to say, I need to come to Jesus about this. I need to give it to Jesus. I need to surrender it to Jesus. Is there a job, a career, a calling, a person that you are trying to control or you're trying to lead in one way or another and you just have to, I surrender it to Jesus today. What step of faith, third question, what step of of faith and obedience do I need to take today? And I believe there's a next step for everyone here today. There is, because he's calling. Jesus is calling. What is that for? Is it for salvation? Then come to Jesus today. We'd love, talk to me afterwards. Talk to one of our leaders. We want you to know Jesus personally. What's that next step for you? Baptism? Is it about rolling up your sleeves and saying, I'm all in? Maybe it's making a move. Maybe it's going to someone and making something right. When Jesus shows up, things start happening. And when Jesus showed up there on the beach, and when they were obedient, notice, as soon as they were obedient, Jesus showed up in a mighty way in their lives in the miraculous fish. Jesus can make the miraculous happen. But we must be ready and willing for obedience. He tells them, throw your net on the other side. Made no sense. How humbling for these seasoned fishermen. Yeah, they were a little rusty, but still, this is just so silly to do this. Where do you and I, where do we need to humble ourselves? And oh, would we be like Peter. We'd jump out of the boat. We'd get to Jesus. We would run, jump, swim, do whatever it takes to get to Jesus. Let's also remember today as we The band comes at this time and we get ready for the Lord's Supper. It was hours before the crucifixion that Jesus, he took the knee. Just as he took the knee to build that charcoal fire and get the fish and get the bread, Jesus took the knee with his disciples. He humbled himself and he washed his disciples' feet and then he took bread. And he says, this bread represents my broken body, which is for you. And then he took the cup and he says, this cup represents my shed blood, which will be shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Eat and drink and remember me until I return. Reminder, the Lord's Supper is of how he ultimately served us by allowing his body to be broken, his blood to be shed because of our sin. And today stands as a living reminder, Jesus serving his disciples. Jesus served us ultimately at the cross. And we're going to be partaking of the Lord's Supper in a few moments. And and as we worship the Lord, you can come and you can take one of these. Yeah, we could hand them out. I love it when you have to walk. Not because you need the exercise, but because it's making a statement. Jesus made the walk to the cross for you and for me. We make the walk for him. But today I would encourage you, please do not do this. If you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, if your life isn't committed to him and you're, you're desiring to just stay in the boat and keep drifting, please don't partake of this. God's word warns us that to eat and drink in an unworthy way is eating and drinking judgment upon you. This is for followers of Jesus Christ, people who say, I need to be with Jesus. Today, would you drink and say, I need to be with him today. I need to be with Jesus. I need to surrender. What is that next step? What is that throwing the net over? What, what net do you have to throw overboard and say, I need to be faithful, I need to be obedient? And we're sorry for these kind of versions of the Lord's Supper. We got a whole bunch of them, so we have to use them up because they're cheap. (laughs) And slowly you have to peel back the very top layer, okay? There's this really thin, like, crazy layer on these things. 
I don't know, get someone with nails to do it. Um, and, and you take it off, and there's that little wafer, styrofoam um, kind of thing. And, and, and I don't want to be funny about this. I, I just, it gets confusing. And so just slowly work at it. Don't make a big deal out of it. And, and, and if you just need to come and take it, maybe you'll put it in your pocket and you'll figure it out at home. That's okay too. But we need to get to Jesus today. We need to allow him to serve us. That place of the hurt, the frustration, get to Jesus. In the German hall, get to Jesus. Those of you in your cars, there will be communion servers. They'll come and... Uh, you guys are ready for that, right? Yeah, of course, you guys got it. You're awesome. But take time then, and as we worship, as we declare, and then at the very end, as we sing, oh, come, let us adore him. Would we be like those disciples on the beach, just in awe, in faith of the miraculous fish that he's going to bring, what he's going to do in our lives, in our families? But Lord, I desire to be with you today. Get out of the boat. Stop drifting. <laughs> Get to Jesus. Get to him. He's ready to serve you no matter what kind of a screw-up, failure, mess you are. Get to Jesus. And so when you're ready, come and allow Jesus to serve you today in remembering the broken blood, broken body and shed blood. Jesus, we thank you. And even now as we partake together of the Lord's Supper, this is a reminder how you served us ultimately and that one day you're going to serve us again. You're going to serve us in heaven. You're not done. You're not done with us. And so would we not be done with you? Would we get to you today? Get out of the boat and commit to you. Taking that next step in faith, in obedience, and believing that you will do great and mighty things in restoring us, in making us whole and living out that mission until the day we die or you call us home. Till you return or you call us home, would we be faithful? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.